TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Oh, oh, three Seahawks were there. Witherspoon had him. Somehow he escaped and got to the 19 for the first down. What a third effort. Forget second effort by Jennings. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Filling in for Steiny and Guru, alongside my man Sterling Bennett, this is Dan Devone. And yes, that play by one Juwan Jennings, and he's done this frequently because he's got some nasty in him. Going into the break, I was talking about he's got a defensive mentality, and it was all on display last night. As it, That's just all... That's just all want to. That's just simply, I want this more than you. I want to get those three yards more than you guys want to stop me. And that's exactly what took place. Jawan Jennings, a tremendous performance on that that one play and his only catch. And, of course, offensively, the 49ers were too much. And defensively, hard to – seriously, it's hard to choose where you would go. Is the defense uh, more dominant than that of the offense? And this is why this team – collectively, I think is the best in football. But we're going to continue the conversation. Are they better than Philadelphia? Uh, A lot of that uh, is going to be determined coming up in a matter of days in the big showdown next week when they take on the Eagles. Sterling, I saw somebody on the table. It's about time. Where have you been, you Eagle fans? Come on, man. (laughs) Somebody's going after us on the Xfinity mobile text line. What did I say? uh, This thing's broken up. If you're only as good as your last game, Dan, then the Niners are in trouble because the Eagles just beat the defending champs on the road. Fly, Eagles, fly. Wow. The 925. Can we get that song, by the way? Fly, Eagles, fly. I can try to find it. I want the lyrics to that thing. 925, which is where? uh, So that's Pittsburgh, California. That's where I live. Wow. Out in the East Bay. You know, Sterling, that this place has got to be on fire. I'm talking about San Francisco for me to leave it. Or I go to the airport. And that's about it. So Pittsburgh, you may as well be Pittsburgh, PA. Because so, how far are you from the city? About an hour? I'm about no traffic, 45 minutes with traffic, an hour and a half. Uh, but now BART's the best way to go. So it makes it a little easier. But uh, when I was in college, I told people, yeah, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, California. Now, mind you, I went to school in Southern California. Everyone thought Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was like, no, like, does no one know where Pittsburgh, California is? And they were like, we've never heard that in our entire lives. Pittsburgh, I want to say, has a, has a factory of high school football talent. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, even Antioch High School has Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Freedom High School. Like, these Bay's got, I mean, I wouldn't pride myself in Joe Mixon, but still a good NFL player. Is Antioch in the Bay Area? Yeah, it's right next to Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I just – the minute I can go maybe, I don't know, South Salido, you get any further north than South Salido, it's like, yeah, whatever. Have you been to, like, Walnut Creek and Concord? I've been through there. Never No, stopped. actually, I had I had a relative in Concord when I was a kid. Okay. And we would go out there. When I was growing up in the city, I'd go out to Concord. His name was Uncle Ed, and we'd go swim in his pool. 
And it was like, oh my God, a swimming pool. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know, one of those bozos from the Beverly Hillbillies. I was like a swimming pool. <laughs> and then as I got older, it was like this little pool. It wasn't inflatable. Yeah. But as I got older, it was on the side of a freeway. It was like no big deal. But it was like, <laughs> it was Shangri-La, Concord, California. We're going to the swimming pool. My goodness. We used What's to have that? a we used to have a spa on our side yard, and when I was little, it was like you go get Taco Bell on Friday nights, and you sit in the spa, and you just melt away for the whole weekend. Now I go out there, and I'm like, this thing is disgusting. Like I put my foot in here, like this is awful. Uh, it doesn't work anymore, but it was like the little kid thoughts of this is a gorgeous, wonderful hot tub. It's like no, it's kind of a rundown hot spring. Yikes. Have you ever been in at any point? And I want to hear from you out there, 95-7 the game, 888-957-9570. Have you spent any time at any point in your life in <laughs> an inflatable pool? An inflatable pool? I have. You I have. have? I have, yeah. When okay. I, I don't want to admit this, but a handful of years back, I was in high school probably, maybe in college, um, I would inflate the pool. Well, I mean sober, but go ahead. Well, you don't yeah. drink, but go ahead. <laughs> I, was, uh, I would inflate the pool on our our deck outside, and I would sit in it for like an hour and eat Otter Pops. It was a great summer for me. Great summer. Yeah. I was like 22. <laughs> so. Never been in an inflatable pool. I don't know what that says about me. If you, what's the, I'm just curious, man. And I'm not a pool guy. I don't roll like that. You just go into the bay. Exactly. Wetsuit and all. Just, nope. No wetsuit? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Who are you talking to? Are you kidding me? Wetsuit? You going there with a wetsuit? Oh, hell no. You, they won't let you in the building in a wetsuit. No wetsuits allowed. You go in there, you freeze your ass off, you go into a sauna, you shiver, and then you go home and say, what the hell's wrong with me? But it we is We go to the Dolphin Club and the, and the Lipo Lounge afterwards, too. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> or best yet, you have a few while you're in the water or while you're in the there sauna. You go. There and you're you go. singing sea shanties. I'm telling you. There's no one at the Dolphin Club that is right. You're we're, singing Fly Eagles Fly in the we're sauna? We're all abnormal. <laughs> Speaking of Fly Eagles Fly, thanks for putting us back on track. Come on, Eagle fans. I want to hear from you because I, I'm, I'm ready. And this is not living in the moment, Sterling. This is not an overreaction. I, I, you could sense this in the beginning of the year. I think Chase Young put them over the top. I think the emergence of Brock Purdy, the things I talked about, the subtleties of sliding up in the pocket now, just some of the nuance that now is something that he's grasping with every, with every start, with every rep, that this is the best team in football. Now, Philadelphia, obviously, in terms of one loss record, has a better record. They're the number one seed. But this should be the last team standing, and I'm talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Injuries are not something that you can foresee. Right. Should Brock Purdy have the same sort of, you know, fate as he did a year ago in Philadelphia where he loses his show, his, his throwing elbow and he's gone, then that's you know beyond your control. Though I would say they're much better equipped this year with Sam Donald stepping in as opposed to Josh Johnson and whomever. But I will say, and we talked about this, I was doing a show with Dibs, and we went this, he likes to throw out the Super Bowl or bust. His definition of bust was sort of beyond me. I, I, Isn't it just not winning a Super Bowl? Damn straight. <laughs> Isn't that what a bust means? This is a team that shouldn't win the Super Bowl. And you want to quantify it, Mr. Non-Quantifiable? There you go. There you, go. <laughs> you can do that. But 49er fans, you know, this is your reality. You have the best team in football on both sides of the ball. Win the damn Super Bowl. Anything short of that is an excuse. Anything short of that should be thought of 
as a disappointment. Why? Because you just don't get these opportunities very often. It does feel like if this team doesn't win a Super Bowl, it's not just going to be a letdown of this team of this year. This is going to be one of the best teams to never win it. And it's going to go down as one of the biggest letdowns in Niners history. Like, that's how good this team is. Well, some will tell you that, you know, if the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl, it's okay. Or some will tell you yeah. that if they get to a Super Bowl, it's okay. They're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. wrong. That yeah. this is the be- You have to just come to grips that this is the best team in football. And right now when you have Brock Purdy making ba- basically, you know, Five seventy-five an hour. I mean, this guy's like a minimum wage. I know, relatively speaking, eight hundred k is it's a lot of coin. But when you think about what it is that Kirk Cousins, Kyler Murray, you know, right. forget about the Patrick Mahomes and the Justin Herberts and the Joe Burrows are making. I'm talking about quarterbacks. Like, would you want Kyler Murray quarterbacking this team? I I do like Kyler more than most, besides his Call of Duty uh, playing. But somebody asked us the question a few weeks back on overtime. And they said, of this upcoming free agent class, where would you rank what Brock Purdy's salary would be? And Kirk Cousins is probably the premier guy on that list. I looked at every single quarterback in the NFL. I'm talking Dak Prescott's, Tua's, Herbert's. And we got to a point where Purdy's making $40 million a year, which they can't do that for two more years, thankfully. But I do think it's gotten to a point where the conversation no longer needs to be, well, Brock Purdy's great, he's elite, but it's also that if he was a free agent tomorrow, San Francisco would have to let Ayuk leave, Chase Young couldn't come back, and now that's not going to happen for two more years, mind you, but Brock Purdy would be one of the highest-paid quarterbacks per year in the entire league. That's how good he's been. $40 million is the starting point. Yeah. That's the going rate. for That's his market value. He could knock on $45, $50 million, depending on how this year plays out. Which is why there's a sense of urgency in the next two years to get that bowl. Because once he has the hammer and he asks for that money, you're right. You can't pay everybody. And it's one of the reasons why when you look at Kansas City, and that's why, say what you will about Patrick Mahomes, why he's such a special talent. Because you had to let Tariq Hill walk. Yeah. You can't keep Tariq Hill, and you can't keep Kelsey, and you can't keep Patrick Mahomes. You can't keep Jones. It's just not possible. Again, it puts an added emphasis on on winning this year and winning next year. You got Brock Purdy at bargain basement, right? So it's, it's, it's go time. This is when you have to win your Super Bowl. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't do it when you're paying Brock Purdy, but it makes it a little bit more challenging. Well, look at the Chiefs this year. They have the worst drop rate in football with Kadarius Toney and Marquez Valdez-Scantling dropping wide-open Hail Mary touchdowns. Other teams need their quarterback to play perfect to win. San Francisco may be one of, if not the only team, that doesn't need Purdy to be perfect to win games because they have the best, whether you want to call them surrounding cast or whatnot, in the entire league. Detroit needs Goff to play perfect. The Chiefs need Mahomes to be perfect. The Dolphins need Tua to at least have a great game to win. That defense is not that good, and they need him to be a facilitator. 
Behind him, if he goes down, their season's over with, as most quarterbacks are in the league. But if Purdy is just fine for a game, like he was last night, they can still win by 18, 20 points. Yeah, and again, you and I started the show talking about his performance. I thought it was one of the best. Now I'm qualifying, and I think I said (laughs) the best. But I'm willing to stand by that because I like when you have to overcome a little adversity. And I like the fact that it's on the road. It's in Seattle. It's the hostile environment. It's all those. He's still checking boxes, man. Is the adversity, is it just playing Seattle on the road? No, the adversity was at the beginning of the second half, he throws a pick six and the momentum swung. And again, I was talking about making the basketball analogy that Steve Kerr was always going to say, hey, listen, they're going to go on a run. The yeah. momentum is going to shift in an NBA playoff or an NBA championship game. Just withstand the blow. We'll be fine because we're the better team. And I think you saw that last night. Brock Purdy throws the pick six. Suddenly, the 12 get into it. They had nothing to cheer about. Suddenly, they go on a little run. It was a couple of three and outs for the 49ers. They tack on a field goal. They creep to within 11. You got a sense there that, oh, no, here comes Seattle. Seattle's ready to make their run. That, those opportunities... That's how you grow as a quarterback. And to me, that's more satisfying a win than your perfect QBR crap. Does it bother you, though, that the adversity that Brock Purdy faced last night was his own doing? No. That's part of it. it, it it's controllable, though. That's part Which of it. Which probably is better, but still. Yeah, that that's... I'd rather have him... You're going to throw picks. You're going to throw mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. Again, the bigger... The learning moment is, is that when I make that mistake... And there, and I'm on the road, and that place. I've been on the sidelines out there in Seattle. Yeah. You know this, man. I used to do the highlights on the big board inside of the stadium. With two <laughs> minutes before every half, they'd say, "Let's go down to Danavo now." Is going to take us throughout the league, and I would give the highlights throughout the NFL on week 10, 12, what have you. I'm telling you, on the sidelines, when people say you can't hear yourself speak, you can't hear you. It's one of the oddest things in the world. You cannot hear what it is that you're saying. It is deafening loud out there in Seattle. So Brock Purdy makes a mistake and he throws a pick six. It's all part of expediting this dude's learning process. If you want him to be that quarterback that everybody is envisioning or already handing him the mantle of being the MVP and the generational quarterback for the 49ers, you need games like this. No, it wasn't perfect, but I'd rather take this. Throw your pick six, but then end the game, seal it by one of the most remarkable throws all year long and that dime he dropped in that seam, in that layered throw to Brandon Ayuk. So what you're saying is you want Brock Purdy to have a little Jimmy G in him. Where are we going? Th- throws a pick and bounce back. <laughs> Goes down, scores a touchdown. You just can't let go of him, Dan. You, you got to have a little Jimmy G in your quarterbacks, huh? We're going to go out to the phone lines. because I'm <laughs> gonna, Oh, we just lost the phone. Oh, line. no. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce the name anyways. Call back if you want. You're going to be in line here, but we'll take some of your phone calls at 888 Nine five seven zero. We are here for you talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Now, and getting back to the interception, if you saw what it is that he did in the play just before that. The incompletion to Debo? That was another pick. That was yeah. one of those, ooh, ooh. Like, run the football, please. You have Christian McCaffrey. Get you five, six yards of separation. Give you some space and let your quarterback, if he needs to, throw on third and six, not th- three and ten. But – some people want to put it on Kyle Shanahan. What are you doing throwing from there? Why do you throw I would agree that to, pro- to a certain point. Yeah, but but Brock Purdy more often than not completes that pass. I agree, yeah. But there was something you could see it in the play prior where 
and I don't want to sound like the quarterback guru because I'm not, but and there's nothing worse when hosts or guys who just talk for a living are trying to pretend like, well, you know, I watched the All-22 last night, and what ah, you need to do is the uh, you set your feet, and you want to, like, come on, what are you, what are you talking there's about? There's a collective of people that are unhappy that the common fan can pay for the All-22 because now you have people all over X or Twitter, social media, saying that, well, this show threw it a bit, you know, this throw should have been here and should have been here, and people are like, you don't play the game. You don't know what you're talking about. And then people get behind that. The narratives get created and people are just like, I feel like the NFL players, their staff are the only people that should have the L22. <laughs> like you don't really need it to analyze a game. It just helps you dive in deeper. But if you're working at Walmart, what do you need the L22 for? You know why? It's the ingenious of the NFL. It's why they're it's a $30 billion company. Yeah. They know how to market the hell out of themselves, man. They know how to sell product, and they know how to PR their their product at the end of the day. And so some bozo <laughs> who wants to get on the All-22 and then turn on his mic and you know fire on a camera on YouTube and start espousing about the San Francisco 49ers and what it is that I saw, that's the, the NFL loves that. Get, getting back to what it is that I was saying, as I digress with the all twenty two, when you have, you know, these I don't want to sound like that guy, but those two throws look very they didn't look Brock Purdy esque. Hmm. The feet were just he was sort of flat footed and his release was really weird to Brock Purdy. Just you could see it. And that ball was so dangerously yeah. fluttering in the anytime you're in that part of the field and it's in the air in the middle of the field, it's like, ooh, you hold your breath. <laughs> and then the exact same play. On the, yeah, next the very play. next play, the exact same and exact play. same results. It gets tipped. He throws high again, throwing from sort of that. It just didn't look like Burt Purdy. He just was very flat footed, and the thing gets picked off for the only touchdown on the evening. You put that on Kyle Shanahan. I think I put the decision to throw back to back passes, almost the at least similar play, when you have Christian McCaffrey, who we have talked about almost all day, how great he is. He can get you four yards p- pretty easily, right? Why not give Purdy some more space to maneuver? We know he likes to get out of the pocket. You also, it, it didn't happen last night, but on the off chance, your offensive line happens to hold the defense. It's not a safety if it's out of the end zone. I just think running the football, you can make the first down pass, almost a pick, next play, run it, give yourself some space. I think they could have avoided that penalty on Purdy's end and on Kyle's end. It wasn't as bad as Jimmy G against the Broncos, where you're like, what are you doing? And he's out of the back of the end zone and also throwing picks. This was simply, you have the weaponry to get yourself the space. Why not utilize it? Just to feed into the narrative, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo and his name's come up on more than one occasion. If he doesn't get healthy, all right, just play with me here for a second. Okay. Or if he doesn't get hurt, either, and he's healthy, he's not hurt, is he quarterbacking this team today? No. No way. So what would have had to transpire? Well, if Jimmy Garoppolo I'm going back to last year yeah. when he was the quarterback of the 49ers and they were on that roll. Now, keep in mind, Jimmy Garoppolo had taken this team to a Super Bowl and the team had won, what was it, three in a row. They're yeah. playing against Miami. He has relieved Trey Lance. The offense is flying. He comes into the game. Let's just say he never gets hurt against Miami, doesn't get hurt. You say he's not quarterbacking the team today. Why not? Because he wouldn't be on the team. Shanahan was so dumb with him last year. Yes, he won him a handful of games, 
having a career year. And maybe things are different. Maybe it's Jimmy G that gets hurt against the Eagles and Brock Purdy comes in and goes off and we're like, oh my goodness, like what's going on? And now we begin the trend we're on now. I do think had Jimmy G not gotten hurt, we never see Brock Purdy. Yeah. They lose in the playoffs, whether it was the same fashion, but I also don't think they move off Trey Lance either. I think Trey Lance comes in this year as the starting quarterback because no one knows outside of the building what Brock Brock Purdy can do. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think that if – I would have to disagree that if Jimmy Garoppolo became the quarterback and doesn't get hurt all that year, maybe this feeds into anybody can – you know, anyone can play into Shanahan's system. Shanahan's just going to scheme guys open. You just got to put it on. Just be accurate, which Jimmy Garoppolo could be when he has a clean pocket. Now, sure. maybe they're not as good. Maybe the one-loss I mean, record, they don't go 8-3. and three. Go ahead, take your shot at this, my man, Jimmy. I like Jimmy, but he, he couldn't do it this year with the Raiders. Well, that's the Raiders, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Which yeah, is but... proof positive as to why Kyle Shanahan. He's great. And and some quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo are a system quarterback. But the problem with that narrative, system quarterbacks, is that, okay, let's say the guy is in the system, but also a very good quarterback. Like Brock Purdy. Yes. Yeah. So then how do you give him his roses? How do you differentiate what is a really good quarterback hmm. and the system's really good as well? Well, I think it's... I think Brock Purdy makes that statement of him being a system quarterback like George Kittle made fun of uh, after the Buccaneers game. And I think even this one last night, that Brock Purdy is making throws that anybody can see with two eyes, one eye, that elite quarterbacks make. Whereas with Jimmy G, other system quarterbacks, Geno Smith maybe, that if they're playing elsewhere, they really aren't successful. That... Uh, they need the system to succeed, to make their game easier for them, and to also allow them to actually have success. Whereas Brock Purdy, you put Brock Purdy, um, I don't know, in Green Bay, in Detroit, he's going to be successful still. Like, he's going to be the starting quarterback. He'd probably outplay Jared Goff. He'd certainly outplay Jordan Love. Like, Brock Purdy would be 20 other teams, 16 other teams starting quarterback too. He just suffers from the fact that it just visually and also his draft status will never shake him. It'll always be with him, just like that of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you're doing well in Tampa yeah, Bay. Baker's you might not work. good. No, he's not good. But my point is, is that the stigma of you were the number one player taken and you never fulfilled expectations, no matter what Baker Mayfield does in his career, that will always be there. And I think the stigma with Brock Purdy, the fact – that he was the last player chosen, yeah. and he's Mr. Irrelevant. And speaking of Baker Mayfield, he sort of has the same height like that of, of Baker Mayfield. Brock Purdy will always live in that chat. He'll always live in that narrative regardless of what it is that he does. Which is unfair because Drew Brees, short guy. He Drew Brees, his entire career had to peek over the offensive line to see the receivers. Russell Wilson, short guy. Brock Purdy, I'm not saying is those players, but he is much closer to Russ, Andrew Brees, than he is Baker Mayfield. I've always, I throw this analogy out there. I'd like to get your response. Let's just say, for the sake of conversation, that Justin Herbert is Brock Purdy. In other words, Justin Herbert takes over the San Francisco 49ers, right? Yeah. And Brock Purdy doesn't even exist. <laughs> okay. All right? It's Justin Herbert that fills in for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. okay? And he's a rookie. And Justin Herbert at 6'5", with those Brad Pitt looks and the chiseled chin and the flowing hair out of the University of Oregon and a number five pick overall, okay? Or number six, or number five, I believe. 
or number six. Let's say he puts up the exact same numbers, the exact yeah. same numbers, the exact same thing that Brock Purdy has done statistically. Would you or anybody else, all the doubters and naysayers, say, I need to see more? No. I think Brock Purdy is a victim of draft status, but I also would agree with Richard Sherman, who said the exact same thing you just said, that if Brock Purdy went top 10, first round, second round, he would already have been heralded as the next face of the NFL. Like, I don't understand why people are skeptical of this actually being real, because we've seen Warner, we've seen Brady. I get those feel like dime a dozens, or feel like one of the millions, excuse me, it's happened twice in my lifetime. If it's not supposed to happen again, like the odds of Brock Purdy being the next big thing are like 99%. I've already seen it twice. It's about time it happens again. It's a football Friday brought to you by First 5 California. To learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress, go to first5california.com. Want to talk more about the 49ers set the stage against Philadelphia also, and here's a tease for you. I also want to talk about, yes, it has not gone well for Jimmy Garoppolo. We're going to revisit the former quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to tell Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Hey, why it's going to get even worse for one Jimmy Garoppolo? That and more. Sterling Bennett, Dan Avone, on 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Gannabone and Sterling Bennett as we hit the 12.30 hour. Talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Coming up, big winners 31-13 over the Seattle Seahawks. Now in command out there in the NFC West. Tied with the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions for the number two seed overall. Of course, it's Philadelphia that sits atop the heap with just one loss at 9-1. and one. Now, before the big game coming up next week, Philadelphia has a date with the Buffalo Bills. That game, I believe, will be in Philadelphia. Should the Eagles lose that contest, the 49ers will be playing the Eagles for the number one seed next week out there in Philadelphia. Just to revisit Turkey Day yesterday, did you get a chance to see the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions? And your thoughts on Detroit? I woke up yesterday, took my dog for a walk. His name is Stanley, by the way. Um, took Stanley for a walk. How do you arrive at Stanley for a dog? I didn't. I name, like the name. I didn't name him that. Uh, we got him from a friend. The friend that actually went to the Seattle Niner game last night got him from uh, them. Is this uh, your only friend? Because apparently <laughs> he's working his way into every conversation. It's my fiance and my friend in Seattle, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, we got him from uh, them and then... Uh, Went, oh, football's on, great. Sat on my butt all day long and just watched football from morning to night. It was great. You were not alone. 
So tell me. I feel like everyone did that yesterday. Talk to me about the Detroit Lions because I never – I like Jared Goff. Shout out Marine Catholic, Northern California, University of California. Uh, He's a a good quarterback. I mean, talk about reclamation projects, getting another opportunity out there in Detroit. I like the offense. My big question is – because a lot of people are saying, oh, if the 49ers play Detroit, I don't know. That defense, there's no way in hell they can hold those boys with the 49ers. I like the Lions, but they – Well, they're 8-3, and three, so it's a logical I – mean, Yeah, but I don't know. They're playing a really bad division, I guess, as the San Francisco now. But come playoff time, would you actually take Jared Goff-led Lions seriously? I wouldn't. Well, the offense is – I'm okay with the offense and Johnson, their old coordinator. Their offense isn't the question. Defensively, you got Aiden Hutchinson, and there's not much else. I don't think – if you were to get into a shootout, I just don't think that the defensive – I think the 49ers would exploit Detroit defensively. Do I think the 49ers have a better offense? Yeah, I've said all afternoon yeah. long that nobody can match up with San Francisco on paper. They're the best team in the NFL. But Jared Goff and the offense, to me, that's not the problem. But they also, they also feel like they're closer to the Jaguars than the Niners, where Jaguars are a good team. They have a – Really explosive offense. Ridley, Christian Kirk. They got ETN. They got Trevor Lawrence. Lions. They got Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Gibbs. They got Montgomery. They got Goff. But when push comes to shove, I just don't like, I don't trust Jared Goff. He just doesn't seem like with the game on the line that I would not pick him amongst the entire league to go down and get me a score. Jared Goff hate? Where's this coming from? <laughs> Talking about system quarterback, that guy's a system quarterback. Really? Yeah. I don't see system quarterback. I see a strong arm guy that, he, for whatever reason, he fell out of favor of Sean McVay. I don't think he's the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> and I say that because Sean McVay and him got to a point where he just couldn't grasp, which is why Jimmy Garoppolo could never play for Kyle Shanahan. Because Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, not that they run the same offense, but there's a complexity to it. And you have to be. And why Brock Purdy is so perfect and the best to ever execute and run the offense for that of Kyle Shanahan since Shanahan's tenure with the 49ers is that there's a cerebral quality, which is why Shanahan covets guys like Kirk Cousins. It's why he doesn't need the flash. It's hmm. Here's the relationship. Or just go back to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, I will scheme guys open because nobody's doing what I'm doing here. Yep. I'm going to get guys open. You just listen to me. Put it on them. Put it on their outside shoulder. Be accurate. Be smart with the football. Not only will you get paid, not only will I take care of you with generational wealth, you'll go to Pro Bowls, we'll win Super Bowls. You just need to execute what it is that I'm going to diagram. I don't need Patrick Mahomes looking left and throwing back right. Hmm. I don't need Josh Allen running over dudes and headbutting the referee because he's this big, (laughs) strong cowboy out of Wyoming. I just need somebody who can be smart, and accurate, which is why, not that, I don't know, it's impossible for me to go through an entire show and not mention Trey Lance, which is why Trey Lance <laughs> was not that guy. As much as we'd like Trey Lance and he had remarkable talent and flash, you can't be consistent with the football. You cannot be my quarterback. Right, which is why I understand you liking Jared Goff. He may not be the smartest guy, but he's accurate. Got an arm on him. That being said, I would still take Brock Purdy over Jared Goff any day of the week. Oh, no doubt. Well, especially with the 49ers. 
I would take him on the Lions. I would take Brock Purdy on the Lions over Jared Goff. You're probably right, but I think philosophically what they want to do in Detroit's a little bit different, and he's a better quarterback than Jared Goff. So, yeah, I'm not going to argue that. But Jared Goff is – I don't think is the issue. I don't – I'm not I, – I can't necessarily go with you that he's the – I don't entrust a two-minute drive with Jared Goff pulling the trigger or that he can't get – because he did that with L.A. He was damn good. After that first year with Fisher in Los yeah. Angeles and Sean McVay takes over – talking about guys that don't throw the deep ball anymore that's sort of a dinosaur he threw that deep ball to woods and cook and cooks and all those guys with los angeles that would just stretch the field and maybe the prettiest deep ball and he still does from time to time he's a strong arm quarterback that throws the prettiest deep ball in the nfl i've seen in a long time he still can be very effective and i think in a weird way it's a perfect match with that lunatic dan campbell who is also (laughs) speaking of non-cerebral is, you know, a guy, just throw some raw meat out there for him. And- they just go for it on every fourth down, too. I love that. This, they say, we are taking every down we can, whether it's fourth and ten, we're going for it. Well, the percentages would tell you that's the way you should play football. Yeah. And you shouldn't even have punters. I want to go back to the broadcast in yesterday's game. <laughs> Talked about this. That very strange, strange moment where Geno Smith was listed at one point as questionable for the football game because he got injured in his throwing elbow against the Los Angeles Rams. So during their meeting, as they meet with the broadcasters, as they meet with the crew of NBC who had the broadcast last night, they have their meeting in a conference room, he decided that's when he was going to get his work on the elbow. So here he was meeting with Tariko Collinsworth, the producers. They're in this... We're out there in, in Seattle, in Bothell, Washington, at the offices of Seattle, some plush little power conference room with the powers that be that hang out. And he's lying on a table, half naked, getting the work on his elbow. Meanwhile, sitting around him in chairs while he's lying on the table is Collinsworth, Tariko, and the producer asking him questions. I don't know exactly what it is that they were trying to do and or accomplish, but NBC... Word to the wise. Don't ever do that again. Was it the picture that made you uncomfortable? Or was it like putting yourself in that scenario? Everything. (laughs) Geno Smith should not be half naked when he's coming to talk to Tariko as well as Collinsworth and getting his elbow worked on and lying on a table. If you really want to do that, which you shouldn't, well, then go Go to wherever it is that he gets the treatment. Go to the training room where he's lying down on that padded recliner and you got the trainer working on him. Not on a not on a table. Well, and why would Gino agree to that? That's the other yeah, thing. I'll lay on my back on a conference room table and get treatment <laughs> while that, I answer your questions. That's the other thing. Is that was this Gino Smith motivated? I like, let not. me show how strong I am and how durable and how tough I'm a I tough am. Tough guy on a conference room table, shirtless. I'm getting my <laughs> I'm getting my elbow worked on just to get ready for this game. See the pain that I have to go through and what it is that I endure to play football. I don't think so. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. What I think it was, it was some young producer that was like. I got a great idea because I think there might have been a conflict. I have nothing to verify this, but I think there was a conflict because I know I've been in on these meetings that NBC said we need Geno Smith at 2 o'clock on Monday for our interview. And they said, ah, 
he's getting work on his elbow. Can we do it at three? Well, I don't know. We'll have to get back to you. Then the producer says, I got a great idea. Let's have him get his elbow worked on in the conference room, and we'll talk to him during that point. Bad idea. What's the craziest thing you've been pitched to by a producer? I used to have to do these shows where they wanted me to get out there and be one with the people. So you remember Horace Grant, yeah. Gary Payton? They wanted me to like go play horse with these guys <laughs> okay. or get in a one-on-one game and, and conduct the interview, meaning that we would mic these guys up yeah. and we would do the interview. That was sort of my sh- – and I knew it wasn't going to work. Like, but they wanted, like, we're tired. It's always this producer, a couple of years out of college, like, I'm going to do things different. I'm going to get you out of the box. I want to be in the box. Just stick me at the desk. Let me stare at the prompter. There's a reason why they've been doing the same thing for years. <laughs> but no, we got we to get you out in the studio. Doing Let's do too it a much. different way. So I always tell this story. So they had me interview Ichiro. But they didn't want me to talk to Ichiro in the studios. Okay. They're like, let's go with Ichiro and his uh, interpreter. And let's have sushi. Each year I will teach you how to eat proper sushi. We'll okay. mic them up. We'll do the interview that way. I'm like, all right, whatever. That works. It's sushi and beer. I'm down. All right. So I do this interview with, with Ichiro, and I've talked to him before. He's always, anytime Sterling is a word of the wise, as a young up-and-coming broadcaster who's shooting the top like a bullet, watch out for the career of one Sterling Bennett, is that when you're dealing with an interpreter, don't do the interview, all right? It just makes it that much more lengthy. It never works. It, it, the interpreters, they just, they, it, it's not fluid, okay? It doesn't work with the interpreter. You got to somehow get around the interpreter. Don't do the interview at all. Or find somebody, yeah, just, it doesn't work. Just eat your sushi and be quiet. <laughs> so I'm doing this interview with, with the interpreter and Ichiro. We've, we've spoken before, and it went well. I'm like, okay, whatever. We're out of the box reading sushi, and we just did an interview. And we're drinking beers at the time. So we're at the sushi haunt that I, I would frequent, right? And so, Did you get to pick where you went or no? Yeah, we picked. And I said, meet us there. It was a place that I was familiar. It was a place that was very popular out in Seattle. And I told the sushi chef who knew me, I used our company credit card, right, from the company that I work with, the television station. And I said, as I left, I said, hey, we got to get back to the studio. And I told Ichiro and I told the interpreter, just finish up here and then we, we'll take care of the bill. I'm handing you know wow. the, the gold card over to you know the black card. The black card with Dan Devone's name on it. Over to the sushi chef. Then I'm like, whatever they do, just just finish him out. A couple of weeks go by. <laughs> the news director calls me into the office, which is never a good sign. Never a good thing. Although this guy liked me, and he's like, Devone, what the hell is this? He shows me a bill <laughs> for seventeen hundred dollars. Oh my god. Gosh. Now we got we got a couple of rounds of sushi. It was yeah. like seventy five bucks tops. All right, that's pretty cheap for sushi. Well, I, maybe it was a hundred. It was a buck fifty. This bill was tipping two thousand oh dollars. He's like, goodness. "What the hell is this?" And I'm like, I, I, "I have no idea." Yeah, I'm like, "But I apologize. I'll figure this out." And so I get a hold of the interpreter and Ichiro. And no, it wasn't them. It was actually the sushi chef. He was like, oh, Dan-san, arigato. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the minute you left, Ichiro Interpreter, they call many women. Oh, man. They call <laughs> this other pitcher who was also from Japan to join them. These wow. dudes lit up the bar. Actually, I, don't think it was, I think it was closer to five grand, if memory serves me. That's awesome. And they just lit up the bar, stayed there for an additional like four and a half hours, closed the place. <laughs> 
all on our tab. So the next time you see Ichiro and you think about, oh, he's just a nice gentleman, just remember he took Dan Avone to my station to the cleaners. My entire view of Ichiro Suzuki has changed now. He busted you for five grand of sushi back in Seattle. Well, see, and that's the thing is that getting back to this weird Geno Smith incident is that sometimes people want to do things differently. No, let Geno Smith get worked on in the training room. And when he's ready, let him sit there in a shirt or what have you and conduct the interview as you did with Brock Purdy, as you did with just every other star, Pete Carroll, the respective coaches, whatever it is they tried to do with that dude. He looked like, you know what? He looked like a stripper that was brought into a conference room, like one of those, you know, one of those surprise strippers in the middle of a board meeting. Like, let's bring him in and lay out on the table and do your thing. So... The text line in the 510, whatever happened to the horse game, Devon was going to set up at Chase. Oh, that's a good memory. That's, that's the old one, too. You have been promoting that for months. What was it? Remind me again. You wanted to play horse with, like, the entire staff. Here at 95.7. Yeah, you wanted to get a whole team. Uh, everybody chickened out, right? <laughs> it's never going to happen. Everybody chickened out. That's right. I, I, You don't think that thing would get sponsored? We get a Chase? Are you going to knock out at Chase Center? No, I couldn't make it. Man. I'm not going to be able to make that. I was invited, though. I was invited. I think everybody here was. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I thought Sterling... I, I, I was invited. I just can't go. Sterling said, asking me, you know, personally, it was more of a plea. <laughs> like, we, the way I interpreted it, like, damn, we need you. But, yes, the horse game at Chase never never came to fruition, and I think that's just fear, man. The guys we're filling in for today. Steiny can shoot it. Oh, actually, I know my man Guru can play. Guru's hit me up with some text. Okay. And he's asked me. I've been available to play some hoop with him. He still gets into runs. Has he asked you to play on the 95-7, the game team with the Warriors World? No. Okay. Well. What is that? Who's playing in It's that? like a big tournament they do with Warriors World. Allen was going to play this year, or when he used to work here, uh, but then he tore his Achilles. So uh, they needed an extra body and just couldn't figure it out. I don't know why they didn't call you. Well, you know, they're lost. The big kahuna, man. They gotta, gotta gotta give you a call. We'll get it. You know, if time permitting, we can do the Warriors, but I'm trying to keep things on an upbeat <laughs> here. In fact, don't forget, coming up tomorrow morning between nine and twelve, it is Warriors this week with the one and only JD. I'm telling you, JD breaks us down, man. It's trying to stay up with that guy because he is on it, and JD's got it all covered when it comes to the Golden State Warriors. And we'll talk Warriors from nine to twelve. You'll be producing as well. You'll be part of the I'll conversation. Be here. Yeah, so that's all day. coming up tomorrow. Long we'll day. entertain some Warrior questions, but. I could say that for tomorrow. I'm just trying to stay in an upbeat holiday mood right now. You don't now. want to get into a Chris Paul, Scott Foster conversation right now is what you're saying. Well, we can go to the break talking about that. I think I'm over my time. and We need to get out. No, we're good. we got six minutes. Okay. It's 49. We're good. <laughs> just really quick. and we, Well, this will be the only thing I got to say about Scott Foster. And, yes, it is ridiculous, the rivalry between those two and the fact that those two don't like each other and it's been like, you know, 15 years ongoing. But there's just something wrong with refereeing, generally speaking, that things get personal. I've never liked that about refereeing yeah. in the NBA. It's too far. Well, no, it's the fact that it's just the way structurally it's done. Like, don't have relationships with the players. Yeah. Don't have – because it, it alters your perspective. You're supposed to be like a – a judge, or mm-hmm. you're supposed to be a referee, which means you have to be, you have to be led by complete objectivity, right? That has to be your outlook. But the minute you befriend somebody, because we're all human beings, yeah, you you begin to like either like somebody or you dislike somebody, which clouds your judgment, and therefore 
you're now impaired and you lose and compromise all that objectivity. It does feel like, and again, with the whole Chris Paul and Scott Foster thing, once you hear at least Chris Paul's side of thing and with, with, with him saying that he mentioned my son, talking about his kids, like what Chris Paul called him afterwards, I think he's justified because you bring up my kids, we have a problem. You speak on my mother and my father, we have a problem. Like you keep my family's name out your mouth. And as soon as you do that, whatever Chris Paul called him, which we know what he did call him, but justified completely. Do we know that happened, though? I mean, I'm not doubting Chris I don't think CP3 would lie. It just seems like Scott Foster is is the sort of guy that they they don't like each other, but can I see Scott Foster going there? Maybe. Maybe. You might be right. Who knows exactly how personal that relationship is, though? But could Scott Foster really drop, you know, your kid, fill in the blank, or your wife is... Who knows? Like, it didn't see... It seemed as though it was just sort of... They were talking about the call. I can't see Scott Foster going there. But again, I'll and, give Chris Paul... And the if he did, he shouldn't have a job. Like, yeah, that's, that, that's the line there. I'm with you there. Done. That's, a, that's what I mean. But, if he, that's a serious, serious But offense. I'm pretty sure, like, the NBA has tried to steer away from CP3 and Scott Foster games. Like, they knew this was a problem. They understood that, hey... Whenever CP3 and Scott Foster are on the same court, they butt heads a lot, and they've tried to make sure he doesn't ref CP3 games. So it's not like they didn't see this coming somewhat. So it just felt like they needed someone to ref, and they were like, Scott, get in there. It, what it is that Chris Paul said immediately after the game seemed much more plausible to me because didn't, I didn't hear him say anything about you know him getting personal and talking about Scott Foster. What he did say immediately after the game is that we were in a conversation. Yeah. I was making my point. He was making his point. You know the history between us. It got a little heated, but we were still talking about the play. Hmm. And we were talking about the foul called, and I was making my point. And it got as I as he talked about it got sort of you know to the point where where tempers were were boiling over, but he teed me up simply because he can, meaning right. he was getting his point across, and just simply because if two guys are if, you, if I'm having an argument with you, instead of it just resolving on it, taking its natural course, I can tee you up if I'm the referee, end the <laughs> argument, drop the mic, and walk off, meaning I win, you lose. Right. And Chris Paul is saying, like, I obviously don't have that affordability. Yeah. So it's just this unfair landscape, and that's what it is that he uses to his advantage. There's definitely a power structure issue there, or... Not even an issue, but what Scott Foster made it was an issue of like, okay, Draymond Green says some absurd things on the court. You can hear him sometimes through the radio broadcast, and you're like, I hope no one heard that because that was that was a big yikes. But it didn't feel like Chris Paul went over the line. He wasn't in Scott Foster's face. Chris Paul's a pretty relaxed individual. He's not going to get heated. And it wasn't until he got the first tee when Foster kept saying, enough, 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 about 10 times. That's when CP3, you know, if, if you can say lost it, maybe. But that's when he got more angry and upset. Then the second tee comes out. And then it became, you know, you're a you know, expletive word after that. Like it, it felt as if Foster was trying to end the conversation to avoid further confrontation. But as soon as he used the tee, which was incorrect on his behalf... It then only escalated things. I think if Scott Foster went there, and again, I can't verify that, and I don't want to defend Scott Foster. I'd be the last guy in the room to do that. But I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that 
if he if he went there and initiated like got personal with your family and wife, yeah, it's too far. I think Chris Paul, the reaction to Chris Paul would have been much more than just Steph Curry grabbing his hand like, "Hey, let's walk." That's one of those that I'm I, I'm tearing after this dude. Yeah, and that's sort of like pulling <laughs> Isaiah on. Stewart on him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart is this guy went after LeBron. LeBron. Yeah. yeah thank you. It's about time. I just. Be nice to see somebody just you know because LeBron feels as though he's the god and LeBron just does things the right way right and LeBron is not uh, he's LeBron is keeps his nose clean off the field or off the court but it'd be nice just to see somebody challenge him which is why I will always give Isaiah Stewart because nobody does it right because he's sort of like you know he's thought of as the ambassador we're talking about one LeBron James all right we got to bring it back to the San Francisco 49ers we don't have to if you want to get into the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors, who lose to Phoenix and they get boat raced, and again, doing this without Draymond Green, uh, I think he's expected to return next week yep. after the Sacramento game. Mm-hmm. On the Sacramento game, I believe. On the Sacramento yeah. game. So uh, we can get into the Golden State Warriors, but we're trying to stay a little bit positive here. And with that, we're trying to keep our focus on the San Francisco 49ers after their big win over the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers now setting up the showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles coming up. Next week, out at the link, first things first, Philadelphia has to take care of business against Buffalo. Just going to put it out there. Can they beat the Philadelphia Eagles? And is Brock Purdy a better quarterback than that of Jalen Hurts? All that and much more, including the Warriors, if you want to go there. Phone lines are backing up. We'll get to you guys. We continue here on 95.7 The Game. Really quick, this segment is brought is sponsored by AC Transit. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 